So food and family. We need uh, both to survive in this world. If we go without food, then our body will starve. And if we go without family, then our soul will starve. If we don't have food, then we'll do whatever it takes to get it. And the same is true if we don't have family. And that's what this book of Ruth is all about. When Ruth and Naomi returned to Bethlehem, they were financially broke and alone. And it's hard to imagine a more desolate situation than two widows, one old and one young, trying to make their way in this ancient world. And the fact that one of the widows is from a despised race means that their plight was desperate in need. Our text shows us how God began to meet their need for food and family. And he does this through an unlikely hero named Boaz, a prosperous man of noble character who had been successful as a farmer in the fields near Bethlehem. Someone once commented that the book of Ruth could have just as well been called the book of Naomi because it starts and ends with her. And that may be true, but you could also make a case for calling this the book of Boaz because he shines just as brightly as the two women do. If we were to make a list of all the greatest men in the Bible, we would include names like Abraham and David, Moses and Daniel. And Boaz, he deserves to be on that list too. You see, Boaz was a good man. And the way he helps Ruth illustrates how the Lord Jesus Christ rescues us. Let's take a look at the text and see how God used Boaz to begin the, to meet their needs for food and family. And at the same time, notice that Boaz is an example of God himself. So first... God finds the outcast. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. And the Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. In the Bible, the first words offer a glimpse into a person's character. In this case, we learn that Boaz was a godly man who cared about the spiritual needs of his workers. And then in verse 5 through 7, we read, Then Boaz asked his foreman, Who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, She is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes' rest in the shelter. When Boaz asks, Whose young woman is this? He wants to know who she is and from what family she comes from. He knows about Ruth, but he hasn't met her until this moment. It's interesting that nowhere in this story do we get a physical description of Ruth. There's no emphasis put on her physical appearance. We don't know her weight, we don't know her height, her hair color, or anything about her eyes or any other part of her body. But the Bible does emphasize her character qualities, not her looks. The pictures we usually see of Ruth um, portray her as a young and attractive woman. And that may be true, but it's not mentioned in the Bible. As this story unfolds, we'll see that Boaz is attracted by the kind of woman that she was. 
not by her physical appearance. And the fact that she was a woman did not make her a different kind of faithful follower, but the fact that she was a follower of the one true God did make her a different kind of woman. The story continues in verse 8. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other field. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part they are harvesting, and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly, and when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. This text mentions Ruth's Moabite background twice. She is clearly an outsider, a stranger, an immigrant, and she's kind of like a refugee. As the saying goes, she's not from around these parts. Bethlehem was a tiny village where everyone knew everyone, which meant they knew she was from a different nation. And the Moabite language was different enough that every time she opened her mouth, they would ask her where she was from. Those of you who may have been transplanted from one culture to another can understand her difficulty. When Ruth volunteered to be a gleaner, she was signing up for hours of hard labor. It meant constantly bending over to retrieve stalks of barley left behind by the harvesters. The foreman reported to Boaz that she had worked hard all morning, only to take a short break in the shed. Now, from a human standpoint, her prospects were bleak. She and Naomi were both widows, at a time and place where widowhood put them in a very desperate situation. As a young woman, she faced danger by following the men in the field. It was a setup for rude treatment and possible physical abuse or sexual assault. Boaz told her to stay in his field because he had ordered the young men not to bother her. Finally, we notice the proof of his welcome. He instructs her to drink from the jars the young men have filled. And that is amazing, because as a woman, her job might have been to fill those jars for the men. But instead, Boaz says, go ahead and drink from the same jars that the men are drinking from. The second thing we notice is that God favors the weak. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I am only a foreigner. I hope to continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. Ruth twice refers to the word favor in this passage. It means to be gracious or to show unexpected kindness. And as far as Ruth was concerned, the fact that Boaz even noticed her was a gift of grace that she did not deserve. After all, she was a foreigner. And every day, in a thousand ways, she was reminded that she was not from Bethlehem. She was an outsider and an outcast who deserved nothing at all. Why should a man like Boaz pay any attention to her? Well, as the story continues, she says, Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. 
I have heard how you left your father and your mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. Boaz had heard of the kindness to Naomi. No doubt the whole village knew about her. Notice how he puts it. He says, you left your parents, and you left your native land, and you came to people, to a people that you didn't know. He uses a beautiful image to describe the deeper implication of her decision. She has committed herself to the God of Israel, under whose wings she has come to take refuge. Having left Moabite idolatry, Ruth now trusts in the God of Israel. And she is under his wings, which is the safest place that she could be. Knowing her desperate need, God arranges things so that under Boaz's wings, she can find both food and family. Third, we see how God feeds the hungry. At mealtime, Boaz called to her, come over, come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. She sat with his harvesters, and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted, and she still had some left over. Hospitality is deeply embedded in the Middle Eastern culture. In one sense, Boaz is merely showing kindness to a young woman in need. But if you were to go a little bit deeper, you realize that he's doing something quite remarkable. In this short book of 85 verses, the word Moab or Moabite pops up 11 times. And that's just the writer's way of telling us that Ruth's background is key to the whole story. She is a woman, she is a widow, and she is from Moab. She belongs to a nation that is hostile to Israel. The Jews had a long memory of the antagonism between their people and the Moabites. In their eyes, the Moabites were, de were degraded pagans from the mountainous regions east of the Dead Sea. They remembered the Moabite women who had led the Jewish men into idolatry and immorality. And as a result of that compromise, God sent a plague to Israel that killed 24,000 people. Now you do not forget a catastrophe like that. In fact, Deuteronomy 23.3 offers this blunt warning. No Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants for ten generations may be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. So God couldn't have been any clearer. His people were to have nothing to do with the Moabites. He didn't want them to live among them, don't marry them, don't follow their gods, and don't invite them to worship with you. At this moment in the story, it appears as, as though Boaz decided to ignore these plain warnings. It's truly amazing that he would allow Ruth to drink water alongside the male workers. That's shocking in itself. But now he welcomes Ruth to his table. This story teaches something very important about God's heart. God welcomes anyone with, who comes to him with sincere faith. Not only does Boaz find Ruth, but he welcomes her 
and he protects her. And now he goes a step further and says, Ruth, you can come to the table and eat with me. Find a place and eat all that you want. As I thought about this, my mind went to the story of Daniel, refusing to eat the king's food. Because of his convictions, Daniel would not defile himself by sharing a meal with the Babylonian king. You might be wondering what, what's that all about. Well, for one thing, the food at the king's table certainly did not follow the kosher laws of the Old Testament. And for another, it involved eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols. Now, for a third thing, and this might be the ultimate reason, Daniel knew that sharing a meal at the king's table implied a kind of spiritual equality. So eating together suggests friendship, support, and shared values. So if we were to take this concept and apply it to the story, we can understand that Boaz clearly understood the power of a shared meal. It's one thing for someone to say, here you go, here's $30, go ahead and go get yourself something to eat. It's entirely different if you say to someone, hey, I know you're hungry, come to my home, sit at my table, and share a meal with me. The first one says, let me supply your need. But the second says, let me make you a part of my family. Now normally in that culture, a woman would prepare and serve the meal to the men. If she was not related to them, then she would wait to eat until they were finished. But here, we have a foreigner and a widow who instead of serving, is the one being served and eating alongside the men at their table. And then next, in verses 15 and 16, we read, Ruth went back to work again, and Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her, and pull some of the heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up, and don't give her a hard time. Here we get to see what grace looks like up close and personal. Boaz does something that Ruth never, ever imagined. He tells his workers to throw down handfuls on purpose. And that phrase from the King James Version offers us a perfect picture of grace. Men, not only do I want you to leave some for the gleaners, but I want you to take some stalks of barley on purpose and leave them for Ruth so she will have all the food that she needs to take home to Naomi. This is grace in good measure, pressed down and running over. Boaz intends to do more than just meet that need. He wants to make sure that Ruth has all the food she can to carry home. So Ruth gathered barley there all day, and she and when she beat the grain out that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back to town and showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. We, ooh, we see two things <laughs> happening here. First, Ruth carries home an ephah of barley, which would be about 30 to 40 pounds. And so this tells us that Ruth had to be in good physical condition to carry that much grain. And second, 
She also brought the leftover roasted grain home grain from the table of Boaz. It's like going to a fancy restaurant, eating all you want, and then taking the rest home to share with your family. This is truly above and beyond grace to Ruth and Naomi. Ruth had come to dwell under the wings of God, but she experienced that protection by gleaning in the fields of Boaz. God's kindness to her came through the heart of a godly man who respected who she was and what she had done. In ancient Israel, most men would never show such kindness to a Moabite widow. It just wouldn't happen. But Boaz had a heart that saw beyond racial differences and reached out in grace to one who did not expect anything and who had no claim on him. And if Boaz points us to the Lord Jesus Christ, then, the, the out, then Ruth, the outsider, represents all of us. When Paul wanted to make his point that all have sinned in Romans 3.23, he prefaced it with this phrase in verse 22. For there is no difference. There is no difference between rich and poor, no difference between young and old, and no difference between male or female. So in the deepest sense, there is no difference between Jew or Moabite. Boaz understood that truth, and even if his, even if his Jewish neighbors didn't. He intended to include Ruth and his family, even if his friends thought he was kind of nuts. And this is what grace looks like. We all stand condemned by our sin, and all of us are under the judgment of God. We sin in different ways, but we are all sinners nonetheless. We are all in the same boat, and that boat is sinking. If God doesn't do something, then the human race will all go down to destruction. Boaz points us to the grace of our Lord Jesus, who died to create a new race of men and women redeemed by his blood. If we read this story and think, I need to be like Boaz, then maybe we've missed the point. Sure, Boaz is an admirable man, and we ought to emulate his kindness in the way we treat others. But that's not the main message here. I need to read this story and think I am just like Ruth. I am homeless and helpless and desperate and hungry, and I have nowhere to run. I am an outsider to God's grace. I have no claim on the Lord, and if God does what is just, he will condemn me because I have sinned more times than I can remember. Just as Boaz provided what Ruth needed but did not deserve. Even so, the Lord Jesus comes to us and opens the door of heaven. He came for sinners who had no hope of forgiveness. He came for the ungodly who hated him. And he died for his enemies so that he could make them his friends. Are we sinners? Yeah. Are we condemned? We are. And is there any hope? 
Yes, there is. No one need, no one need perish in their sins when a door of heaven has been opened. And just as Ruth could do nothing but accept the kindness of Boaz, the only thing that we can do with grace is receive it. We can't pay for it, which means we either come to God with empty hands or we don't come at all. Let me just make this one final point and then I'll be done. The text emphasizes that Ruth ate all she wanted and she had plenty left over to take home to Naomi. That's how grace works. We never run out of grace because there's plenty more where that came from. Grace comes to us like the barley came to Ruth. She had all she could eat with plenty to share and more on the way. God never runs out of grace. He has enough for today, enough for tomorrow, and enough for eternity. After the famine comes the harvest, and it's still true today. Sin takes its bitter toll, but God will have the last word. Sin robs us of our dignity, and it destroys our joy. It leaves us hopeless and helpless. We end up hungry and alone, with nowhere to turn. But then comes the harvest of grace. In Christ, we are fed and clothed. And in Christ, we find a home and a family. In Christ, orphans become the children of God. It's a big harvest, and there is plenty of grace to go around. Ian Campbell put it this way, I am saying that the fields of Boaz are full to overflowing, while the fields of Moab offered nothing but loneliness, heartache, and grief. And that's exactly right. Whatever we need, we find in Christ, who is the greater Boaz. Like Ruth, we had no claim on him, no reason to hope, but in the cross of Christ, we find the favor of God poured out on sinners like us. Open the doors and say to the hurting world, Good news, there is a Savior who died for you. Come to him and he will not turn you away. He is the water of life and the bread of heaven. Come, drink, and be made full. Mercy triumphs over judgment, grace wins over sin, and life conquers death. Let's preach a bountiful gospel of grace that offers hope to everyone. Jesus' blood is more than enough for needy sinners in every nation. We can say to this broken world, come to Christ and you will find rest and peace and hope and forgiveness and all of the things that you want, but you can't find on your own. There's good news from the harvest field. Tell the hungry to come and eat, because God never runs out of grace. Let's pray. Merciful God, thank you for your abundant grace that overflows way beyond our understanding. Like Ruth, we do not deserve your favor, 
or forgiveness. But because of who you are, the door of heaven had been opened for us. There is plenty of grace at the table for everyone to come, eat, drink, and be made full. In Jesus' holy name, amen.